You know, tonight I'm going to just try to have a little bit of fun. All right, we're, we're going to go into a subject that is, uh, it's harsh. It's a little hard. Okay, so um, you guys can go ahead and open your, your Bibles. Okay, and we're actually going to start in Acts 4. Okay, and uh, we're going to start in Acts 4 and verse 33, but uh, I'm just going to let my heart slow down a little bit here. So thank you, everybody. Thank you. Okay, Lonnie, I got to first tell you, you know, I have just really been enjoying the book of Acts. You know, this time period that we are going through the history of the church, just a rich history of all of these amazing, wonderful things. Okay, and what, what we're seeing, we're seeing one wonderful thing after another wonderful thing, and then an amazing thing, and then a great thing, and then some, some strange things, some hard things, but then some more amazing and wonderful and wonderful things. Okay, now, I'm going to try to sum up here just a few of the things that we've seen in the last four weeks, chapters one through four. Now, I want to first encourage everybody, if you've missed a week, okay, if you haven't been here or you've missed a week, Please get online. Okay, Lonnie has, Lonnie has uncovered some mysteries. He's gone into depths. Uh, he's really unpacked some things. And I just want to encourage you, if you've been here for the four weeks, please go through it again. There are things, guys, I'm, I'm 35 years old, all right? I grew up in a church. I grew up, my dad was a pastor. My brother is a pastor. Okay, I grew up, And my brother, Bill, who is 12 years older than me, I shared a room with him, all right? And I'm growing up, and as he is studying the Word of God, I I can't even read yet, but I've got my my little Bible, my little Gideon's Bible. Do you know those little tiny miniature Bibles? Okay, I have that, and I'm pretending that I'm going through the Bible with him. Okay, all of that to say... I'm learning things I've never I've never thought of things these ways. Okay? So just go through it again. We're going to we're going to try to sum up and, and uh you know guys, I haven't taught in this format in 11 years. Okay? So but since I was this this big, I thought I am going to be a preacher one day. So when you're a preacher and you don't get to preach for 11 years, you start to tuck some things away, right? You know, and it just kind of gets so I'm going to try to my best to, to get us out of here in three hours. So, all right. All right. Okay, so week one, Acts 1. The first thing we see, Jesus, before he ascends to heaven, we see him telling his disciples that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Okay, so the disciples go to Jerusalem, and they're waiting, and suddenly there came from heaven a mighty rushing wind, and, okay, everybody say and, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we get to see what that power looks like immediately when Peter gets up. Okay, because Peter, through the four Gospels, we we get to kind of know Peter a little bit. I kind of think of him as crazy uncle. You know, he, he says this amazing thing. Then he says this weird thing. Then he says this awkward thing. Then he says this powerful thing. 
We never know where Peter is going to line up here. We never know what Peter's going to say. But all of a sudden, being baptized by the Holy Spirit, Peter can preach, right? He's getting up and he's articulate. He's, he's quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting the prophet Joel. He's saying, and in the last days, my spirit will be poured upon all flesh. And he gives this amazing, wonderful sermon. And there were, about, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Okay? And then in chapter 3, we see, Peter and John, they're going to the temple. And there's a lame man. And he looks at Peter and John and he asks to receive, uh, receive alms. And Peter, gazing, directing his gaze at him, said, Look at us. I have no silver and gold, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And, everybody say and. And leaping up. He stood up and began to walk. And the people who saw this, they were filled with wonder and amazement. And Peter, seeing this, asked, why, why are you staring at us? And he gives another amazing sermon, and even more people are saved. Okay, and then we see Peter and John, they, they get thrown in prison. Then they get let go. Then they're scared, so they ask for more boldness. And guess what? They receive that boldness. Okay, which brings us uh, to where I'm starting tonight, Acts 4, verse 33. And um, for those of you that have your, your uh, electronic Bibles, I'm in the ESV tonight. So you can follow along where, wherever you're at, whatever version of the Bible you have. It's the wonderful thing about the Bible. Okay, so Acts 4, verse 33, and... With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony of the resurrection of Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of the land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus, Joseph who is also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Now, son of encouragement. Okay, now I just want you guys to just highlight that or underline it or ponder on it. Okay, we're, we're just going to set that aside, but I just want to note that for just a second, okay? Okay, Joseph, who is called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, to, to, to sum up, so far, chapters 1 through 4, this amazing thing, this amazing thing, and then this amazing thing, and this amazing thing. And then we get to chapter 5. The first word, but... Have you all had that conversation? Right? Okay, I've had this conversation. I hate this conversation. We love this about you, John. And we love this about you, John. And this is great, John. We really love this about you, John. And, but, 
I hate the butt. Right? The butt is terrible. Because the butt, but no matter what all this good stuff you said about me, the butt wipes it all away. No pun intended, you know? Okay, I I hate the but because I know what is about to be said is difficult and hard. All right? So everybody, let's, let's buckle up here. All right? But a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property, and with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the proceeds and brought only part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. Okay, now to me, I think we're missing part of the conversation here. Okay, and I think this because the writer of Acts is Luke, and Luke isn't here during this time period. All right? More than likely, what we believe is Luke doesn't come into the picture until Acts 16. Okay, and the reason we know that is because of a writing. Through Acts 15, we see Luke using third-person writing. And then in Acts 16, we'll notice a switch to a first person, okay? So all of a sudden, so all up until Acts 15, Peter, or Paul and his companions looked for this and and such and such. In Acts 16, it says, then we looked for transportation to Macedonia. So all of that to say, Luke isn't here during this time period. All right, more than likely, this is a story that is told, well, it is a story told to Luke by somebody who, who was there, um, all of that to say, Luke wasn't there. So imagine with me, everybody, maybe this is how, this, how, the, how the, the conversation went. So Ananias stands up during offering or sometime during the sermon, Ananias stands up. I've got a praise report. Look at me, everybody, I got, I got a praise report. You know that piece of land that I own that's down by the river? Well, you know, the needy has been on my heart so much that I sold that piece of land, and here is, here is the whole amount. And he lays it at Peter's feet. Okay, now, if I'm Peter, I would have said thank you. Okay? Just me. All right, somebody comes and brings a large, a large sum of money. He just sold a piece of property. This is a large sum of money he's bringing. Peter says, is that it? Okay? And of course, Ananias, uh, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's it. All right, so verse 3. But Peter said, Ananias, why is it? Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land? Ananias, why did you lie? All right, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. Okay, now imagine Ananias is expecting praise, right? I just did this amazing, great thing, everybody. When Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And great fear came upon all who heard it. Yeah. Not a great way to grow your church, right? Death at offering. 
Okay, the young men rose and wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. All right, bad day. But it continues. Verse 7, after an interval of about three hours, his wife comes in not knowing what had happened. No one goes and tells Sapphira. No one goes and, you know, sorry, Sapphira, your husband died at the offering. Would you like to come in and help us bury him? She walks in three hours late, and three hours, people, I tell you, it can happen, all right? And Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately she, she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came and found her dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard these things. Okay, now whole church right there. I find it interesting that Luke uses that, the whole church. Okay, I, I believe this is the first time that, that church is mentioned in the book of Acts. Okay, and it's not just the church of Jerusalem. Okay, remember in chapter 2, all of the believers from the Roman world, they come to Jerusalem, they get saved, more than likely they go back home. So this isn't just news that hits Jerusalem, it goes beyond to the whole church. Okay, now, I'm going to be honest with you guys. For the last six weeks, I have been, I've been wrestling with this story. Okay? And if I'm truly honest, I've been wrestling with this story for a very long time. All right, this is a difficult story. Okay, when I go through the book of Acts, this is what I usually do. I go through the first four chapters real nice and easy. There's a lot of great content in there. I get to chapter five. I know this, is sto this story is coming. So here's what I do. I don't skip it, but I read through it at a glance as fast as I can. I say that's weird. And then I move on, okay? I do not like this story. Okay, so when, when Pastor Lonnie asked, asked me to teach one of the, the chapters in Acts, I started praying, God, give me wisdom, give me your guidance. What, what is it that you want me to teach? What can I bring, okay? And I start going through the book of Acts, and I do the same thing. I get to chapter 5, and I read it at a glance. But you know what happened this time? I got stuck. I got stuck on Ananias and Sapphira. Okay? I'm in chapter 7, 8, and 9, and I'm still thinking about Ananias and Sapphira. Okay? So I, I, I go out with Jordan. I can't, I can't remember where we went. Yeah. <laughs> Seeking some enlightenment. Okay, and I tell him, I think God wants me to talk about Ananias and Sapphira, and I don't know why. Why would God want to talk about this subject? I have no idea what to say about this subject. But Jordan encourages me. He listens to my heart. He encourages me. Just do what God is laying on your heart. Just be faithful to that. 
Okay, so a few days later, I'm wrestling with this still. A few days later, it's the weekend. And I'm trying to sleep in. And, and I don't know how else to explain this guy, but ha have you ever had one of those loud thoughts just kind of drop in your head? I have no idea how else to explain this. This is, this is not an audible voice. It's just a really loud thought. Ananias and Sapphira wakes me up. I'm like, no. So I get a little mad. God, I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to teach about Ananias and Sapphira. I don't understand this story. I don't get this story. Honestly, this story makes me a little mad. This is one of the, there are so many stories in the, 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 the Bible that I, honestly, can I be honest, guys? There are stories in the Bible I despise because it doesn't make sense to me. Okay? But, you know, arguing with God turns out so well. Okay, so here I am. In an act of obedience, here I am. So I started listening to sermons, I started studying, I started Googling as much content as I can find about this story. Okay? And, and there's a lot of opinions out there, guys. Okay? But here, here's what I found. Okay, number one, Ananias and Sapphira, they did not die because they didn't give 100%. All right, remember what Peter tells Ananias. While the land remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Okay, in other words, Ananias could have given any amount. He could have kept the, he could have kept the land. He didn't have to sell it. He could have given any amount he wanted to he could have done it anonymously. Anonymously? <laughs> he could have told the truth about it. Okay? This is at a gathering where everyone is there. He is the one explaining. Here's the amount, I, here's the amount I, that, the, that the land was sold for. And this is the amount I'm giving. And it was a lie. Okay, guys, go to Matthew 6. And we're going to start in, in verse 1. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order for them, for, in order to be seen by them. All right, everybody, this is Jesus talking. So should we, should we pay attention? Okay. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. 
But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Okay, some translations say this, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Were Ananias and Sapphira looking for praise? I think so. What else were they looking for? What was, the, what was their motive to do this? Okay, what did Ananias and Sapphira have to gain from this besides just praise? All right, remember Joseph? Okay, I just ponder on Joseph, who's called Barnabas by the apostles. Okay, he just did the same thing with a completely different outcome. Why is, why is Joseph, who's called Barnabas, why is he mentioned as, as part of the introduction to Ananias and Sapphira? Joseph, who, is, who was called Barnabas by who? The apostles. Who's bringing attention to Joseph? The apostles. Do you give a nickname to someone you're the son of encouragement to someone who doesn't encourage you. Does that make any sense? No, you give, you give that type of nickname to someone who actually can encourage you. Do you think Joseph had the ability of encouraging the apostles? The apostles, the leaders of the church during this time period. I think Joseph had the ability of encouraging the apostles to speak into their lives, possibly to influence the teachings to influence the money flow, to influence the direction of this now growing movement. Okay? I believe beyond just the praise, I believe Ananias and Sapphira could have been looking for that influence as well. Okay? Now, I, I can't prove this, but based on the evidence based on the evidence that I see in the Bible, I believe Joseph handled his gift completely different than Ananias. When you look at Matthew 6, there's a different outcome in Joseph who is called Barnabas. He is praised. He is openly praised. Okay? I believe Joseph may have gone to the apostles in secret. It wasn't during a, a big gathering. It wasn't during anything like that. Okay, this is me, guys. It's not, it's not there, but based on what I have found through Matthew 6, I don't think it's a far reach to, to get here. Okay? Maybe Joseph goes to the apostles during a time period where they're hurting. And he encourages them. And then all of a sudden, after hearing about the need... Maybe, just maybe, God drops it on Joseph. You know that piece of land you just sold? I want you to give it towards this. And he's not seeking praise or recognition. He's simply being obedient. Okay? Ananias handles himself completely differently. All right. Now, what does this mean for 21st century Christians? What does this mean for us at Keystone? 
How do we react to this story? Okay, guys, after, after all of this evidence that the Lord has led me to, Matthew 6 and Joseph, who's called Barnabas, I still think this is harsh. Can I be honest? I still feel this is not proportional or whatever. Okay, but let's look at, let's look at how the first century Christians handled this. If we go back to Acts 5, and in verse 12, it says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. It, it completely changed directions here. Okay, everybody? It, to me, it kind of feels like there should be an anywho. Okay? Hear me out, guys. First four chapters, and this great thing happens, and this great thing happens, and this great thing happens. Chapter 5, but this bad thing happens. Verse 12, Ananias and Sapphira died and great fear upon fell and great fear fell upon the whole church. Anywho, many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. There's no mass exit that's that's mentioned here. There's no one saying this place is crazy. No one is saying, oh, this is such a hard teaching. Who can accept this? Okay, guys, if you have a chance, go and read John 6. All right? We're not going to get to that tonight, but read John 6. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And we don't see anybody leaving the church because of it. Okay, and they were all gathered in Solomon's portico which is just a, 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 like a porch at the temple. Okay. The only thing that we really see is, is verse 13. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. Verse 14 says, and more than ever believers were added to the Lord. Now these two verses to me kind of are hard because it seems like they contradict. Okay. Verse 13, none of the rest jo dared join them. And then 14, and more believers, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord. Well, what is it? The only thing that may possibly have happened was that the, the believers at this time period may have stopped the, the selling of land. And I'm just saying that as a possibility, just because these two verses kind of it sounds like they contradict here. Okay. But verse, verse 14, And more than ever believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people who also gathered, the people also gathered from other towns in Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Is that something we would like to see, right? All would be healed. Okay. Just looking at the differences between the first, first century and now. First century Christians look at looked at this, and it was evidence of the Holy Spirit. They looked at it and said, 
it's a bad idea to lie to the Holy Spirit. Okay, 21st century. Okay, and I'm not picking on you guys. I'm picking on me because this is where I was. If you can hear the frustration in my voice, it's because it's real. Okay, I, I get up on my judgment throne. I, I question God. God, this doesn't make sense to me. Don't you know Ananias is Hebrew for God is gracious? Don't you know Sapphira is a sapphire, which is a beautiful gem? God, I don't see your grace. I don't see your beauty. This doesn't make any sense to me. This doesn't match my theology, God. Okay, but you know what, what we say when we say that? This doesn't match my image of who I think you should be, God. And can I tell you how dangerous of a place that is? Let's just think back to Eve. How did Satan tempt her? What did, she, what did Satan get her to question? God's goodness. Oh, he, he doesn't want you to eat of this fruit because then he knows that after you eat it, you will receive the knowledge of good and evil and be an equal to him. Do you know what Adam and Eve were? They were the image of God. Oh, God's holding back from me. I'm going to question God's goodness. Very dangerous place to be, everybody. Okay, I know, I know. Okay, why did God want me to talk about this? Because I have a judgment towards God that I need to deal with. This is impacting my relationship. Every time I go to one of these stories, God, this doesn't match. It impacts my relationship with God and I call his goodness into question. Not a good place to be. He is calling us. I know he wants us to, to be that person that's giving 100% of ourselves. What has he called over us? To be houses of acts. Okay, guys, I believe we can continue to coast here. We can continue to coast, to coast and not give 100%. All right? And I'm not going to sit here and I'm not going to say, all right, God's going to strike you dead if you say you're giving 100% and you're not. Okay? I'm not going to say that. I'm just going to say it's a bad idea. Okay? A better place. A better idea is to step into what God is calling us at Keystone to do. I can go to Jordan. I can go to Joe. I can go to most of you guys and say, you know what, guys? I don't feel like I'm giving God 100% in this area. Okay? I feel like I'm holding, I'm holding back in this area. To have that kind of a relationship in the church, encouraging me, Okay? Giving 100% is hard. Okay, even Paul describes how he had issues. But that is something that we should strive for. 
Just help me. I'm not giving 100% here. Just help me with this. All right? These are the things that we need to step into, guys, because the other part of, of our calling here, yes, we're supposed to step into this calling, houses of acts. The other side of that, it's time to clean house. All right? I feel like we're running out of time, so I'm just gonna, I'm gonna go here. All right? But the high priest, so back in, in verse 17, but the high priest rose up, and all who were with him. That is the party of the Sadducees. Okay, you guys remember the Sadducees. Okay, easy thing to remember. The Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection, so they were very sad, you see. Okay? <laughs> the Pharisees were not very fair, so they were f not fair, you see. Okay, got it. Awesome. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled with je jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with him that would be the Sadducees. They called together the council and all the senate of the people of Israel. Okay, so what they're doing, the Sadducees, they're calling the Pharisees. Let's get the Sanhedrin together because we need to talk to these people. So they sent to the prison to have the, the, the apostles brought. But, the, but when the officers came, they did not find them in prison, so they returned and reported Okay, don't be mad. We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And then someone came to them and said, Look, the men who you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council, and the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. Actually, yes, that, that's kind of the idea, okay? Jesus is the sacrificial lamb, yes. Jesus' Jesus's blood, we want that on all of us. Okay, so Peter trying to explain, but Peter and the apostles answered, we must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging on a tree. God exalted him at the right hand as leader, as savior, to give repentance to Israel for forgiveness of sin. You know, Pharisees and Sadducees, you know that the sacrificial lamb, you know the blood that you sprinkle on you? On you? That's Jesus. And we are witnesses to these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when 
They heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, held in honor by all the people. Okay, so this is a Pharisee. He is in the meeting with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, and he is respected by both sides. Okay, that's like the Republicans and the Democrats, and someone from the Republican side gets up, and he's honored on both sides. Okay, got it? A teacher of the law held in honor by all the people stood up and gave orders for the men to be put outside for a little while, and he said to them, Men of Israel, take care what you are about to do with these men, for before these days... Theodos, wow, Theodos rose up claiming to be someone and a number of men, about 400 joined him and he was killed and all, of, all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished and all who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. All right. Guys, don't you remember we killed Jesus? So if what they're saying is true and he really rose up, you're not going to be able to stop this. But if he is dead, and what we say is true, and, and they just took the body, this will eventually phase out. So they took his advice, and when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer, to suffer dishonor for the name and every day in the temple and from the house from house to house they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ guys we need to step in this boldness this this thing that has been proclaimed over us we are to become the houses of acts we need to clean our houses we need to step in this boldness and and, I, and we need to step into it now, all right? More, more differences between first century Christians and 21st century Christians. They were told. They were actually persecuted. They were beaten. Okay? What do we have to face here in the United States? Oh, you know, if I, if I talk about Jesus, someone might be offended. You know what Peter would say if he was here? Shut up. We were actually beaten. We were told to be quiet. And we didn't. This is real. Jesus really did these things. He really suffered. And he suffered for what reason? These things, 
that we deal with, when we look, I, I mean, it, it really is perplexing how I felt like I had the authority 2,000 years removed to look and judge God. This is something I need to deal with, and now I'm dealing with it. Thank you for the opportunity of allowing me to deal with it. Now let's step into this boldness. Now let's step into what God has called us to do. Okay? Let's not take on what the, what the children of Israel did out in the, in the desert. Because God called them and said, you will be a kingdom of priests. Their children were a, chil- a kingdom of priests. Let's step into this. All right? Okay, let's pray. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for the calling that you have called us to. And Lord, tonight, we commit. Pour out your spirit on this place, Lord. Give us your boldness. Give us your wisdom. Allow us to to meet the people that you want to meet. Put us in the paths of those who need to hear this, Lord. We thank you that you are continuously dealing with our heart issues. And we thank you for the opportunity to meet, not just on Saturdays, but during the week where we get to be a church community together. We get to work through these issues. We get to work towards striving. We get to strive towards you, Lord. We get to strive towards you together. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord. Continue to pour this upon our hearts. Allow us to be a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen.